The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And a big week in racing it was. Thanks for tuning in to winningponies.com. Remember to tell your friends that these shows are on podcast and they go back and listen to our selections before they make it out uh, for their weekend wagering and also to get the insights of all the fabulous guests that, that we've had on. Well, uh, the, the votes are in. Uh, Monday is over. I hope you got a chance to go up on one of the Internet sites and, and watch it. And uh, as a lot of the... People we've had on winningponies.com have said that Harb de Grasse would probably uh, get horse of the year, even though it was a, a year in which there wasn't too many spectacular standouts. Uh, nonetheless, uh, she uh, won in a landslide over acclamation. So my best to all the connections there, uh, particularly Larry Jones, who was just one of the biggest class acts uh, you'll ever see. Now, there was some debate uh, amongst a lot of people as far as the two-year-old Mal. A lot of people kind of knocking Hanson uh, and the early competition that he faced and the fact that Union Rags uh, may have had tougher competition coming into the Breeders' Cup. But nonetheless, they met on the track that day, and I don't care if Union Rags had to go around horses. Hanson said, catch me if you can, and he couldn't. Uh, Hanson, a 194-52 to 52 over Union Rags. Secret Circle uh, did get a vote, as we saw last week. Secret Circle might be more of a sprinter. So it will be interesting because I'm sure uh, that as long as they stay healthy, we're going to see Hanson and Union Rags. Uh, match strides again. Of course, the champion two-year-old filly, my Miss Aurelia, a standout, undefeated. She was pretty much a knockdown uh, guarantee. And it was kind of good to see Animal Kingdom uh, get the three-year-old male. Let's face it, uh, he did win on the first Saturday in May, uh, America's uh, biggest race. Many will uh, argue with the Breeders' Cup Classic about that, but nonetheless, historically, the Derby is a crowning achievement. Also ran a bang-up race in the Preakness. Uh, Animal Kingdom over Caleb's Posse, who you almost wish they could make a second award for this horse. Uh, he had a he had a great season, and that was a very very close race. Only two votes separated Animal Kingdom and Caleb's Posse for the champion three-year-old male. Three-year-old Philly, pretty much uh, a runaway with Royal Delta. Really looking forward to seeing her back in training this year. Champion older male, Acclamation got that with a pretty solid vote over Game on Dude and Tisway. Drosselmeyer also getting some votes. Uh, the champion older female, of course, Arv de Grasse, an unbelievable landslide with 245 votes. The uh, champion male sprinter, we're going to get to see him in action this weekend, Amma Zombie, an easy winner for the Speedsters. And as far as the girls were concerned, it was musical romance. Turf male, love this horse. Cape Blanco, I think he's going to make an exceptional sire. Uh, the turf female was Stay Salita. For those of you that follow the uh, jumpers, Blackjack Blues uh, was the big winner there, and I understand that he'll be back racing this year. Uh, the owners went to Ken and Sari Ramsey. Uh, Adina Springs were the outstanding sprinter. As far as the jockeys were concerned, 
classy Ramon Dominguez, who gave just a fantastic speech at the Eclipse Awards, uh, got the award, and after the way he spoke, I'm glad he did. Uh, the Outstanding Apprentice Jockey, well, it was Kyle Fry. He seemed awful excited to be getting this vote, and uh, I'm going to maybe find out a little bit more about Kyle a little bit later in the show. Uh, Bill Mott, what a class act. Um, he edged out uh, Bob Baffert and Todd Pletcher for a Trainer of the Year. Cot uh, Campbell got an Eclipse Award of Merit. And I was so glad to see that they made a special Eclipse Award for, for Rapid Redo or Redux, whether or not you want to put the X on there. But uh, it, they brought out the Media Eclipse uh, Award winners, and the very first one in line was none other than someone that we've had on winningponies.com before, and that was Claire Novak. And much to my chagrin, I have on the line the one, the only, the Eclipse Award winner, Claire Novak. Claire, how you doing? Hey, John, I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show again. Well, you look fantastic. I noticed you, you lightened your hair a little bit going out on the West Coast, huh? Yeah, you know, time for something new. We have to uh, change it up a bit. And everybody who knows me knows my hair is usually like some different color. It's not never the same from day to day. Well, you, well, you, you look great, and you were kind of put on the spot. I don't know how they, they arranged who came out first, but uh, uh, maybe it was by age, because I think you were the youngest award winner out there outside of the uh, uh, Apprentice Jackie. Uh, just kind of give us a feel, you know. We've seen uh, the Golden Globes and, and the Grammys and the Oscars. Uh, what's going on be- behind that curtain as you're ready to accept the, the, the top award for your profession? Well, it was really interesting because, like you said, they, they gather all the Media Eclipse Award winners behind stage. So it's kind of different because the Media Eclipse Awards are actually announced ahead of time. So unlike sitting at a table and waiting to find out out of three nominees if you're going to be going up on stage, you already know that you've won even before you get out there. So uh, they brought us all backstage, and uh, that was even before the show started. So it was very interesting just to see, you know, the producers for, uh, you know, televising the event and the people who were in charge of running it and how all those dynamics worked and Janine Edwards backstage getting ready and, you know, everybody um, early on in the night kind of excited to get things off the ground. So it was definitely an interesting perspective, and I'm not sure why I went first other than I might have been the tallest one in the group. I don't know <laughs> if that had anything to do with it, but I was kind of happy because I just went out there, got it over with, and enjoyed the rest of the night. Well, you, you not only got it over with, but you, you did it with class. You did it with somebody uh, beyond your years, But and I was watching it uh, on, on the Internet. But correct me if I'm wrong, you sounded like you got a little choked up at the end there. Well, you know, that's what my mom said and a few other people, but um, I, I will stoutly deny it. No, I I didn't get choked up exactly. Well, maybe I did get a little emotional. I don't know. Um, it's just, you know, it, it really means a lot to me to accept an Eclipse Award, and I know that, you know, it's only for one piece. It's not, you know, like an Eclipse Award of merit or something like Cat Campbell got for, you know, decades of work in the horse industry and all of the investments that he's made and the great horses he's had. Like, I understand that it's a, a smaller thing than that, but it does represent, um, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of perseverance and putting up with some things that, you know, weren't exactly pleasant. And, of course, then it also represents a lot of hours of great interviews and, you know, time watching amazing horses run and, 
all sorts of things that, uh, you know, over the years you just start, you just kind of do the day-to-day thing. And it actually makes you stop and realize what you've accomplished. And then to have people in the industry, you know, congratulate you like Graham Motion or Jay Hovde or people who, you know, you respect and, you know, Mike Smith. I mean, people who across the board and then all of the fans who came out and said, you know, good for you and congratulations and everything. Uh, that really, really means a lot when, you know, you look back on everything. So maybe just a tad emotional. I did not cry. So <laughs> It just thing. sounded like you broke up just a little bit. And I will tell you this, that they didn't send you out arranged according to height because otherwise Jenny Reese would have been the last one in line. <laughs> I guess that's true. I did say, I was like, just don't put me and Jenny together because with me in my high heels and <laughs> standing next to Jenny, I'm going to look like a giant. <laughs> well, still, I mean, to, to, to be among the people you were one and certainly uh, uh, someone that, uh, you know, I definitely respect to the utmost in this business, Jenny Reese. I mean, to be on the stage accepting Eclipse Awards with, with, with people of the, uh, that talent uh, is, is a real uh, fantastic honor and you're, you're so young it, it's it, it's kind of neat just to see what's going to be coming down the road now claire i got to ask you a question I, I heard it was kind of about three quarters of the way through the awards where janine edwards said reminded everybody or maybe it was near the end uh, don't forget ladies and gentlemen you know dinner is going to be served in the back after we give away the last award so now the People hadn't already eaten, but I saw bottles of wine on the tables. And, and to be honest with you, uh, by, by the time that uh, the, the, uh, the apprentice, Kyle Frey, got out there, I mean, did anybody have a little buzz going? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I thought that it was just a nice party overall. I didn't really see anybody, you know, out of control drunk or anything like that. Um, if you read, I, I love Jay Hovde's, um DRF recap of the the whole thing, which was words flow like wine at Eclipse Awards. You yes. can actually find it on Equidaily, or you can find it on the DRF site. I did but, read it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he you know he basically said it was a throwback to a breezy boozy gathering of the distant past. Blah blah blah. And I I thought that he made a really good point that they ran the production from the award ceremony end of it. So I'm not talking about what the folks at home saw, but from us being there, it was very um, run. You, you didn't really tell. It wasn't like they would go up and say, and now we're going to take a commercial break and come back in two minutes. You know, like he said, you really couldn't tell that it was being televised uh, as much as it has been in previous years. So I thought that was good. Um, a, lot of people, a lot of people did complain that, dinner didn't get served during the whole award ceremony, um, which is not how they did it last year. The, last year at the, um, at the Fountain Blue, they served dinner during the middle of the ceremony. And, I mean, you know, I have to agree that for $500 a plate, you kind of want to have your dinner served while you're <laughs> sitting down when you're hungry instead of waiting two and a half hours through some appetizers and uh, then having to stand up to get stand in line and get buffet food. So that I mean, the food was delicious when it finally did come out. I think a lot of people were hungry. I wasn't drinking very much, but um, I so I didn't really, you know, I was fine. I just waited until it was time to eat, and then I ate. I wasn't going to really complain about it. I had an Eclipse Award. 
Well, yes, you did, and I congratulate you on, you, you on it, and I want to thank you a lot for being on winningponies.com. I'm sure it won't be the last time, and I look forward to seeing you in a press box soon, Claire. Absolutely, John. Thanks for having me on, and a uh, big congratulations to everybody who won uh, the other night. Well-deserved, and a lot of classy speeches. If people have a chance, I really recommend go to drf.com and check out Ramon Dominguez's speech. Um, yes. That was a really heartfelt and uh, just a warm and sincere acceptance speech, and it was very classy. It really was. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Claire Novak, a young writer you're going to hear a lot from in the future of thoroughbred racing. Well, from the future to the past, let's go back. Rich Nielsen, one of the top handicappers in the country, uh, capped with us in our final portion of the program last week. Let's go over at the races that we looked at. Uh, we started with the grade three Hales hope in here, and it looks like Jackson Bend has certainly uh, retained his form. The chalk players uh, were not disappointed at 4-5, to five, but they were disappointed turning for home because they had their heart beaten. Johnny V uh, had, had to split horses around the turn, and then after he got through there uh, from uh, raiding Jackson Bend, there was nothing but a wall of horses. Uh, pulled, his, pulled him to the right, got him out, went five wide, and got the job done over five to one Sangare. And uh, finishing up in the third spot was long shot, cool blue, red, hot. Uh, from there, we went to the Grade 3, Fort Lauderdale, mile the 16th on the turf, and this one was just uh, a really uh, rough trip uh, through the lane. I guess we had a couple questions in here. Uh, we had the Breeders' Cup uh, Classic favorite in there last out, trying turf for the first time. Guess what? He doesn't like it. He stalked the pace and tired, finished dead last. Uh, a horse named Silver Medallion at 4-1. to one. Got the job done. No stranger to the turf. It's won almost 200000 and more than that now. Uh, Silver Medallion got up by a neck over Yummy with Butter, who was my long shot pick at 17-1. to 1. Yummy with Butter set the pace on the rail, but then he got cracked left-handed. He came out, and he knocked Rich's pick, the favorite Mutual Trust, off to the side. And so Yummy with Butter had to come down, moved up, was, was Hollinger to the second spot, and Number 12 on the outside, kindergarten kid who came from last got up for third. In the eighth race, we said it was going to be Tapazar, catch me if you can, and guess what? They could not catch Tapazar. Very impressive. Sent away at even money. Could, took control into the first turn at Santa Anita going a mile on the 16th and never looked back. Uh, Balladry just got up over Prayer for Relief, uh, a solid horse, so I really think just needed that race. I would look for Prayer for Relief to come back and run a big one next time out. And we rounded it out with a derby, though it was not graded. It was the California Derby. The pick in here, in my opinion, was Russian Greek. It didn't disappoint. The Jerry Hollendorfer trainee was last by 12 going down the back stretch. Huge gap, went five wide, and came away a great big winner. So that was a look at the races that we uh, capped last week. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be capping uh, three races from the fairgrounds and one from Santa Anita. Uh, with the expert handicapper from the fairgrounds, uh, Katie Mickley. And before that, we're going to talk to, from the Thoroughbred Times, Joe Neville. So let's take a little break here on 
winningponies.com, and we'll come right back with the Thoroughbred Times, Joe Nevels. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, back here with our uh, second guest of the show now after that surprise call in from Claire Novak. It was great to hear from her. Claire, of course, the winning Eclipse Award at the age of 25. And now I'm talking to one of the top staff writers at the Thoroughbred Times, Joe Nevels, who himself is only 25. I, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Joe uh, years ago when he was just interning uh, with the Thoroughbred Times. Obviously, the people at the Times uh, liked what they saw, and uh, Joe uh, replaced a guy that was just about irreplaceable, uh, who's also been a handicapper on WinningPonies.com, Ed DeRosa, an outstanding writer and handicapper. Uh, Joe uh, comes from uh, Edmore, Michigan, where he grew up learning the sport from his grandfather. That's a great way to learn. Keep it in the family. Uh, his grandfather was a thoroughbred owner and breeder in the state's claiming ranks, and uh, Joe also writes for the Arabian Finish Line, and uh, had uh, he founded uh, the Michigan Bread Claimer, which was a blog uh, focused on uh, uh, flat racing of all breeds in Michigan. So when I first met him, that's what he was doing. He was interning, uh, but he's worked his way in, into the regulars now as a full-time staff writer for the Thoroughbred Times. Joe Nevels, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine, you know. You know what I like? I can I can go just about anywhere, you know. I I, I can go down to the southern uh, tier of the state to Kentucky Downs. I can go to River Downs, Turfway Park. I can go to Churchill Downs. I can go to Keeneland. Uh, I can go to the Van Wert County Fair. And chances right. are, I'm going to bump into Joe Nevels. <laughs> 
Yeah, I get around a little bit. I like to, you know, hit the road, find some new and exciting venues, especially the small ones. Well, Joe, obviously, Grandpappy uh, taught you well. Uh, you, 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 you got racing in your blood and the interest of it, and I can just see when I watch you work in the backstretch or when I see you at one of these tracks, and, and I do bump into you coincidentally at a lot of different uh, out-of-the-beat events, um, your enthusiasm for the game. I, I just think it's, it's infectious. Um, my question for you first is, how do we get more 25 years old to embrace the game as you have? Obviously, uh, they don't all have the uh, inspiration that your grandfather gave you. Uh, what can we do? do you, how do you get your buddies to, to come to the track? Help us here. How do I get my buddies to come to the track? That's a very good question. That's actually kind of part of the reason I moved to Kentucky. <laughs> anyway, um, I think the big thing is to just get them out there. Get them acquainted with the track, get them to interact with the horses, get them to you know, interact with the people behind the scenes, and really get them to understand what's going on there. It's, not, it's more than just you know, little guys in funny hats whipping on horses and ripping up tickets. There's a lot more behind it, and it's, when you get people really into it, when you get them very invested into the sport, then you know, if, even if you don't create a lifetime fan, if you create somebody that comes you know, three or four times a year, that's, you know, $50, $60 in the handle that wasn't there before. Yeah, I mean, each, each one of us has to become an ambassador. I'd, I'd like to think that I've made it uh, my, my life's calling. But I'm trying to think for someone, you know, in, in their mid-20s, and, and I have a son who, who enjoys racing, and I think he enjoys kind of the cerebral part of, uh, you know, c- coming up, you know, I taught him the basics. Obviously, you don't want to overwhelm anybody early on, but I think he, A, enjoys the cerebral part, and B, enjoys the social scene uh, that places like regionally here, uh, Keeneland and River Downs. Yes, absolutely. The social scene is a very big part of it. Um, you know, getting friends together to say, ah, my horse beat your horse, and, you know, not to keep reflecting you, but it is definitely something that you have to bring along gradually. You can't just throw a form in a new fan's face, be it a, you know, a youngster or a 20-something and say, here, figure this out. You kind of have to help them along and, you know, give them the baby steps until they can, you know, work on those exotic wagers, but... Until then, you know, a win place, a win place or show ticket is just as much fun as a, you know, an exact or a pick six for somebody just getting into the game. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, where do you think uh, we need to put we? When I say that, I mean I'm looking at uh, racetracks uh, where we need to put emphasis to draw in the younger blood. You know, that's a very good question. I always wondered why there wasn't more. I guess advertising on college campuses, that's a group of kids that has time on their hands, disposable income. It seems like it's a market that really goes largely untapped by racetracks. I know some tracks have the college day, but I don't see a ton of marketing on college campuses themselves. And growing up in a town that also had a casino that marketed very heavily to Central Michigan University, I know that, you know, kids will go to gamble. They will go to gamble. And if they can, you know, have an extra show for it, then, you know, they might give it a shot. <laughs> well, you know, there's nothing I like better than looking out there and seeing uh, the people that don't have gray hair uh, at yeah. the racetrack. Now, obviously, your love 
for racing uh, goes beyond j- just cashing a bet. I mean, uh, when I can run into you at, at the Montgomery County Fair or the Van Wert County Fair, what is it about those small venues uh, that have a special attraction for uh, Joe Nevels from the Thoroughbred Times? There's just so much character to them, John. I mean, with the Van Wert County Fair, we've brought that up a few times. I'll explain it to people. It's this track that runs, it's this fair track that runs once a year in Van Wert, Ohio, and they run sulky races for two days, and then they have, you know, tractor pulls and live concerts on that same surface, and then they have quarter horse and thoroughbred racing, but they don't change anything on the track. The surface is the same for the harness racing. There's no inside rail, and everybody just comes out to it. The jockeys smoke in the post parade. They just, you see all sorts of crazy things at these small tracks that you don't see at your Keenelands or your Churchill Downs because they're so, I guess, well-organized is a big thing. The smaller tracks, they're all scraping, or at least a lot of them, are scraping to make it. They're doing whatever they can, and sometimes that means just you know, being different from the norm, and that's what's interesting to me. Uh, yeah, I, I have to admit it's the same thing. If I get a chance on, on an off day to, to go to a local county fair, I, I just love it. You know, it's that... It's the smell, it's the flavor, it's, and it's still exciting. I mean, they might be running for $2,300, but it's still the excitement for a horse race. And if you've only got, you know, $2 down on a horse, well, you own that horse for those two minutes as, as far right. as I, I'm concerned. Um, and the cool about it is that you can really get an interaction with the trainers, with the other horsemen. I mean, I can go to Mount Pleasant, and I can plausibly sit next to the leading trainer of the track. In fact, he's my neighbor, so I sit next to him all the time, but... You know, if you go to a Keeneland or a Churchill Downs, the chances are you're not going to get to watch the race next to a Dean Wayne Lucas or a Bob Baffert because, you know, they're going to be somewhere else. They're probably going to be in the upstairs or with their owners or something. But with these smaller tracks, you can really get a feel for the people on them. And I think that's really the big thing. There's a story everywhere on these. I have to ask you, I know you came from Michigan and now you're in Lexington, uh, but... Have you ever been to the Little Brown Jug? You know, you're about the fifth person that tells, that's told me I need to. That's definitely on the radar someday. Um, I've watched, I think HRTV did a, like a documentary on it or some sort of vignette, and I found that pretty captivating. I'm usually not a big harness guy, but that seems like one of those that will definitely be on the bucket list. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big harness guy either, but this is just, it's a slice of Americana that someone like you that likes to go to the smaller venues would absolutely eat up. You talk about the top trainers. I remember somebody at one point, I was standing there, and they tapped me on the shoulder. They said, excuse me, sir, I need to get through. And they were leading the favorite for the little brown jug through the crowd. <laughs> I mean, you're that close to the action. And, and it is amazing, as you know, you, you've been around, you know, harness and thoroughbred, you know how, just how much more calmer these horses are uh, than the thoroughbreds. But to think that this guy's going through 100 people leading this horse over because the benches are right there, you're right at, at the stables are right behind you. You can turn around and look and, you know, see the horses that are going to race. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's it's just something else, and then and then beyond the grandstand is the Ferris wheel and the Italian sausage and the and the, the cotton candy. Uh, they let people uh, bring in uh, their coolers. As a matter of fact, they open up on January first, and you can go in there and actually chain your chair to the rail so that you have your seat for the little brown jug. It's unbelievable. Okay. And they also they also give the the kids. Uh, the day off from school so they can go to the fair because they know, 
Heck, they'd probably be skipping school anyhow. But anyhow, put that on your bucket list, Joe. You know, that, may, that reminds me of something with the Van Wert County Fair. Each winning jockey that day got a $25 gift card for the concession stand, which, <laughs> you know, being as though the primary function of, one of the primary functions of a jockey is to, you know, keep weight down, to reward them by giving them a, you know, a free pass to something that's <laughs> certainly been splattered in grease seems kind of counterproductive to me. Well, I have to tell our listeners, too, here on WinningPonies.com that you also, when you go to your different venues, you do bring a camera with you. And one of the favorite photos, I think you should have submitted it for an Eclipse Award this year, was a jockey going to post at the Van Wert County Fair with a cigarette dangling out of his mouth. That was classic. That was. That was, you know, and that's the thing that you'll never see anywhere else except your small circuits. I mean... Mount Pleasant Meadows is my home track, and that's about as low on the totem pole as you can get. But this is, I mean, the Van Wert County Fair is even lower than that, and I've never seen anything like that before. The jockeys rolled with their sleeves rolled up. It was, it was, it was surreal. Well, now, here's what I have to ask you is, was, was there any kind of uh, culture shock for Joe Nevels? Uh, all of a sudden, he's thrust into the Thoroughbred Times, and he's going from... Uh, enjoying places like the Van Wert County Fair to all of a sudden covering the Kentucky Derby and the Breeders' Cup. And instead of uh, interviewing uh, Larry, I don't know his name, you're interviewing Larry Jones. What's that been like for for you as a 25-year-old? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The golly factor has been very in full effect. But I've always tried to go by the philosophy of act like you've been there before. If I go in there asking for, you know, Grand Motion's autograph or somebody's autograph when I'm, you know, asking for an interview, that's not going to, I mean, it'll, it'll, it's immediate gratification, but it won't work out for me in the long run. If I present myself like a professional, I'm hoping that, you know, hopefully they'll treat me like a professional down the road. And I don't know, I've just tried to really keep my composure through all of it. I mean, when my old Kentucky home comes on, I have to, you know, fight, back, fight it back just like everybody else, but... For, for the most part, I've really tried to keep my composure on that while, you know, inside jumping up and down. <laughs> it's got to be because you've got the credentials, and, and if you wanted to, you could walk right up to Animal Kingdom stall and, you know, pet him on the nose while you're talking to Graham Motion. Uh, but all I can say is from, from everything I've read, from everything I've watched, uh, you know, again, I knew you back when uh, you were an intern. Uh, you've, you've, you've handled it uh, w- with class, uh, and your writing is superb, and I really still get that sense of, of uh, you know, a youthful exuberance in, in the way that you cover racing, and I, I hope you never lose that, Joe. Well, I appreciate it. Actually, that reminds me, you keep mentioning the first time we met. The very first time we met at River Downs, it was just after a Michigan bred had won. And you knew that I was coming from Michigan myself, so we got all excited about that. It was like a 50-to-1 shot. Had absolutely no chance. And that was our immediate talking point. And from then on, I knew we were going to get along just fine. <laughs> well, all I can say is uh, it's been uh, an extreme pleasure to know you uh, back in those days. And uh, just as I spoke to, to Claire Novak today, I'm going to call you the day you win your Eclipse Award because I don't know when it's going to happen, but I think it will happen down the road because of your, your dedication, your perseverance, and your love of this game, Joe. Well, I've already decided that if and when I do win an Eclipse Award, I'm going to create an accompanying championship belt to go along with it because I feel that 
the sport of racing sorely lacks a championship belt of some kind. So <laughs> if I can win something and qualify for that, why not be the one to step up? <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you've been you listening to, to Joe Nevels, and uh, you, you can catch him. As a matter of fact, I have to say that uh, – uh, his uh, working partner, Tom Law, was one of the hosts of the Clips Awards, uh, and uh, they gave themselves a trophy in that the, the Thoroughbred Times website uh, won the Eclipse Award for, for best website. So you can not only uh, subscribe to the Thoroughbred Times, but you can also uh, read some of Joe's writings on their Eclipse Award winning website. So we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to be talking to Katie from the fairgrounds. Stay tuned. You're on winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Fantasy sports is where the action really is. Over 40 million people play fantasy sports, but rarely do they get to quiz the experts. Fantasy Insights is the name and the game. Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and welcome back again. This is... This is our Young Guns edition of uh, WinningPonies.com because we're kind of reaching out to the youths of America. And uh, we already spoke to Claire Novak and Joe Nevels. And with me right now is Katie Mickelay. You can see her when you turn on the Fairgrounds racetrack, one of my favorite racetracks in the world, uh, to uh, get the handicapping segment with John G. Dooley. Obviously, she does a great job uh, at carrying John. And, uh, <laughs> but she's, uh, she's got uh, plenty of past uh, experience uh, both on, on television. Uh, she's originally from the, the Chicago area. She started out as an internship uh, at Arlington Park. Uh, she was co-host of Horse and Around on Fox Sports in Chicago. She actually uh, worked on the Extreme Sports Network in California. And if you see her on TV, you know why she's much better on television than on radio. But I'm lucky enough to have her on winningponies.com right now. Katie, how are you doing? 
Hello, 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 and uh, ouch, I can do pretty good radio interview. Well, I'm sure you can, but I, you, you really do have a face for TV, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I, well, thank you very much. I and I, on the other that. side, yes, have a great face for radio. Week. Yes, I really enjoy my job, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, again, you know, I was talking to, to Joe Nevels and Claire, and I've been lucky enough to, to meet them in person. I've never had the chance to meet you in person. I've only seen you on TV. But, um, again, the whole idea of uh, youthful exuberance, uh, certainly, uh, you know, I had it when I first got in the game. I like to think I carried it over I- into my 50s. Um, <laughs> I think it's really how you present the sport, uh, with uh, love and enthusiasm and maybe, uh, you know, some humor uh, is, is what's going to attract the next generation t- to racing. What, what are your feelings about that? Well, I, I agree with you. I think that's uh, a, a lot of it. I think it's, it's good, of course. I completely respect all of the, the people in the industry that have been here for a very long time and that are full of knowledge and full of wisdom. So I respect them, and, of course, I think that's very part of your role as being a newcomer. Of course, now I'm five years on TV, but I'm still young to uh, a lot younger than uh, as far as TV goes on TV compared to a lot of those hosts out there. So you just have to appreciate um, the ones that have been in the business very very long time, but also try to um, bring the young ones to tune in, and, and hopefully it'll attract much more um, of a younger generation, like you had just said, and um, kind of just play both roles. Not only respect the, the the horse players that have been around for a very long time, which I love hearing all the stories about all these horses they've gotten to see uh, live, um, you know, of course, and then the, the young ones that, you know, get excited to hit their first exacta and you get to keep them to keep coming. And, of course, I think there's you have to show that it's a, well, I, I love that Janine Edwards had said it's uh, now becoming the, the sport of queens. She had said it during the Eclipse Awards, but the sport of kings. So I think you have to show a little bit of class with it. So I think you have to dress the part of it. And just it's a whole, it's a great experience if you can really get into it. Well, in, in addition to that, uh, I, I know we started out, uh, you know, all of a sudden having cappers uh, on TV and uh, uh, there were some tracks that just decided to have some pretty faces on there, so they would just look at the screen and go, "Oh, this blank park is up." Uh, there's a couple pretty girls that would now, you know, listen to what they have to say or whatever. You have uh, taken the time to learn handicapping, and, and as I recall, it started out with some of the top connections that, that I know, uh, Dave Zinner and Joe Christofek from the Chicago area. Tell me what it was like learning how to handicap from Joe. <laughs> you know, there, there's been some horse players that have watched me since I first started on air, and, you know, they have said that I've come a long way. So really, if you've been tuning uh, into my shows, since five years ago, you really have seen that I have come a long way, and I've worked hard to where I am today. Um, you know, I was—I would say I was a bit green at first, but you know, it's not like they threw me to the dogs. I would just pick a pick a horse here, pick a horse there, handicap all the the big stakes races across the country, write about them, do blogs, do do interviews. You know, those um, that weren't as tough as just trying to, you know perfect my pick fours and my pick sixes and my and my super facto plays and stuff. It was just one here and there. And I give a lot of credit to my mentors. Um, you had mentioned already Joe Christofek. You know, he gave me a chance to throw me on TV first time. And 
then I was just, uh, not, I shouldn't say just, I was actually interviewing jockeys and just getting my feet wet. And I will always remember this, the day I was in the Arlington Park press box and I told them, I said, I really want to learn how to handicap. And this is, we're going back 10 years now, 12 years. And, like, really get into it. I already knew how to play exactas and trifectas, but really understand what I'm reading on the program. And he had looked at me, and he said, first thing, he goes, learn this. And he handed me a horse racing glossary that was about 10 pages. And he's like, if you can learn this, then we'll go to the next, and then we'll start reading the actual races. So I had to memorize everything, what everything meant, of course, and then move on from there. But... I think Joe played, I still thank him to this day. I think he's doing a great job with HorsePlayerNow.com. Um, you'd mentioned Dave Zenner, Dan Leary for giving me the chance, Jim Miller at Hawthorne. He also gave me a shot um, to really become a handicapper, really grow on TV by making selections. So a lot of, you'd said Chicago Connections really helped pave the way for me. And, of course, my husband, who's a horse trainer, he's still to this day, you know, he's he's still you know, helping me along, you know, not so much these days, but really had, uh, really helped me also get to where I am today. Well, you know, I, I, can, I can tell you from personal experience that that is a big help because uh, Jenny Reese always credits uh, Pat Doopey, uh, who is her husband, uh, mm-hmm. in, in helping her with, her with her writing because she gets to really see, the, you know, the inside story and, and really understand what goes into you know, getting a horse to the races and, and how sometimes trainers will point a horse to a specific race and that maybe not that they're giving them one, but that they may be trying to stretch them out or try a little something different. So, you know, not every horse that looks like the favorite on paper necessarily is. Yeah, exactly. So you have to learn how to dissect the races and really find that and try, you know, to beat the favorite if you think they're vulnerable in races. And I think, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and, you know, just, just keep handicapping those races if, if there's any new handicappers out there that are tuning in. You just have to keep at it, and eventually it's all going to start clicking and coming together and watch. You know, don't just watch one race analyst. Watch several of them and, and see how everybody has their different angles of how they pick winners and pick horses, and it'll all come together, and it's great. Now I, I know that I finally have arrived because in the last year or so I've had girls that have been either Facebooking me or uh, tweeting me, and they're saying that they would love to do what I do, and they, they're hoping to shadow me. A few of them have shadowed me in the past, or they want to work as my intern. So I'm like, wow, now I, I might have some interns. So it's uh, it's been great, and I really appreciate it. And I will tell all those horse players there, because still to this day, some, some of them come up to me and they go, who makes your selections? And I've never once had any horse player make any of my selections since day one. <laughs> well, that's great because right now I'm putting your feet to the fire and I'm going to ask you for your selections. You're down right. at the fairgrounds. You're connected. You see how the track's playing. Uh, you know the trainer angles. I don't know if you've seen any of these horses train in the morning, but we're going to take three races from the fairgrounds, uh, the Colonel Bradley handicap on the grass, and then we're going to go to the grade three LeCompte, where we're going to see horses that, quite frankly, we could see in the Kentucky Derby without a doubt. Um, and then from there, we're going to move backtrack a little bit to the Silver Bullet Day, a, a race that I hope is graded someday, uh, which, because it hit easily could have Oaks potential. And then we'll take one race out of, out of Santa Anita, the Palace Verdes. It's a very interesting race with uh, an Eclipse Award winner in it. So let's go right now, if we can, to the mile on the 16th, Colonel E.R. Bradley Handicap. 
a mile and a and a sixteenth. Um, I'm looking at this race, and it, it seems to me that it's it it might be uh, a case of. And there's so many different ways to handicap of how this race sets up because it looks like there might be enough speed in there to set this race up for a horse by the name of Sun Tracer. So, you know, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And of course, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for Strike Impact because I mentioned Pat Doopy and Jenny Reese. Uh, that's his one horse barn, which uh, Merrill Share trains for him when he's down at the fairgrounds. How do you see this race shaping up? Um, I have to agree with you. I think it does set up well for a horse to come from off the pace, which uh, keep in mind going a mile 16th on the grass really favors closers. So I think the two is going to benefit from it. Sun Tracer coming off a little bit of a break, but um, had won the Woodchopper Stakes, which is a shorter distance last time out on the grass. It's really turned out to be a really nice grass horse and only a four-year-old. It's the son of Kitten's Joy. So I think he's really in his prime, and I think we still may see a lot more out of him. He may, maybe in the next year or so, he might even be uh, back in some of those graded stakes races. So I think we haven't seen everything out of him. So I really like Sun Tracer. Of course, he is the favorite, but I got to use him somewhere. He's been such a sharp closer, um, doing well in a lot of track, a lot of turf courses going this distance or similar distance. So I'm going to, I'm going to use that one for Neil Pesson's barn. Of course, Chris Block also um, part of that barn when they, you know, switch hands here, sending the horses down to fairgrounds. Um, going to the uh, the sixth horse, I kind of like this horse a little bit. Are we bouncing back and forth? Did you want to throw in your thoughts as well? Uh, well, uh, I was just going to say uh, that I, I totally uh, ditto on Sun Tracer and the fact that uh, he was unraced at two. So I think that they were patient with this horse and they let him develop. And being a son of Kitten's Joy, uh, this horse's best races may well be at, uh, ahead of him. Yeah, exactly. I, I really think that he's, I think we're going to see a lot more out of him. So, and uh, something to be said if they don't have a huge two-year-old campaign. So, um, I think that was a smart move by them. Runs for a really good barn. So, no surprise that that horse, again, strikes over this track. So, um, I think it's one more more of the obvious choices in this in this race. Um, after that, I, I think you're going to get some pretty nice prices here um, if Sun Tracer um, isn't ready, you know, you never know what's going to happen, how it's going to flop out, but I think I think it does set up for that horse. But going to the sixth horse, Lonesome Street, runs from Mike Maker's Barn, and um, um, they've been doing pretty well, especially in the recent month or so, Mike Maker, um, especially uh, in stakes races. James Graham, in my opinion, but I think there's many horse players out there that agree that I think he's, it, it must be um, because he's an Irish bred, but he really knows this turf course really well. So yes. I think... When he gets, when you see him on a horse in a turf race, I immediately go to that horse and check, give that horse a second look. So this one already has one, has a third, returning off a freshing a little bit longer than I'd like to see, um, but it's been training at Gulfstream. They're going to ship this horse in. It's probably already here. Um, really can sit anywhere in the field. Could be part of the early pace. We'll see. Grant might want to um, get this one to relax a bit, which I'm kind of hoping so because there is that other pace in the race. And um, hopefully gets a good trip. I think has a great post position um, to sit maybe four or five lengths off the pace and hopefully uh, ready to strike when they're turning for home. So I like that horse a lot. Six to one the morning line with a six, Lonesome Street. Well, I, again, I, when I pull down my past performances, I don't have any odds. So um, the, the, the horse that I'm considering here in, in my exotics is a horse that really just seems to really embrace the fairgrounds turf course, and that's a horse by the name of Mr. Vegas. 
Uh, it looks like he's kind of set off a little bit of pace, but has good tactical speed, has put in back-to-back uh, solid uh, buyer figures, and he's two for two on your fairgrounds grass down there. He's on top of his game, so i got a feeling I'm going to put him in my exact plays in the Colonel E. Bradley handicap. It's not the only graded stakes race at the fairgrounds, though, on Saturday. Uh, we also have the 68th running of the LeCompte, and here's a chance for somebody to start adding to their ticket to get into the Kentucky Derby because these are this is graded stakes money. Uh, these are three-year-olds, and this I have a notation at the top of my form here that says this is a great race. We've got some lightly raced horses that that could be just sensational. And once again, we got a scenario where kind of in mid pack we've got several speed horses uh, that could set it up. The two. Uh, in my opinion, Katie, that come to the top, and I, I'm no genius here, uh, would be X Factor and Mr. Bowling. Yeah, and I agree with you. I like those two horses. Um, I was kind of, It's funny you said that. I'm kind of between those two horses, though. If I take one horse, I, I might lose out the other one. Of course, uh, when I play the when I play the, horse, the race at the windows, I probably will take four or five horses in this this wide open race. I'm going to say it. A 13-horse wide-open race for our first of three derby prep races um, here at the fairgrounds. So uh, we have 13 three-year-old derby hopefuls, so hopefully everyone will tune in out there. And it's also part of our uh, guaranteed $100,000 pick four. Um, I, I'm kind of back and forth because, of course, I will be putting my picks in tomorrow morning. Um, going with the four, Mr. Bowling, Larry Jones really thinks this one is training really well and has been maturing, especially even in the past couple of months. So he's feeling really optimistic with Mr. Bowling, and I like that confidence. His great stalking ability, I think, can sit just off the pace going this distance. Um, already won at the distance, too. You have a few horses, including X-Factor, that's going to stretch out to two turns. It's been very quick uh, in dirt sprints, so we'll see what we got on our hands. So I might lead more towards Mr. Bowling, especially since this barn has been so hot in the recent races. Uh, I think they just had an 18 to one shot who came flying and almost uh, crossed the wire. Believe it or not, 18 to one to shot for Larry Jones stable, who of course just won the Eclipse Award for Horse of the Year, Javi de Grace. But um, I think I'm leaning more towards Mr. Bowling. The other two horses I'm going to use in there is Hammer's Terror. That's the eight horse from Mike Stidham's barn. This one. Um, yep, one at the distance here at the fairgrounds already. Yeah, and then shared property. Uh, this horse might benefit from all the pace in the race, and I think um, Leandro Gonzalez is going to join us. He's going to ship in to ride this horse, the regular rider of shared property. I think it'll be okay breaking from the 13 slot for Tom Amos' stable, um, and I think he's going to take this horse back early and just make one big run and really just love all that pace in the race and really eat it up when they're turning for home, running down that long stretch at fairgrounds. Maybe It's going to get it for the and I think he's really going to like our track uh, well, come Saturday. So I'm going to use that one, too. I've got five horses checked here, and obviously there's a lot of things to look at. If I was there, I'd be in the paddock. And uh, But it's certainly shared property is one of them, a huge closer, uh, which tells me this horse could maybe go on. I, my one notation here is I've got a question mark traffic. It's going to have to break from the 11 hole, going a mile and 70 yards. you got, thank God, a big field. Love to see that in racing. And so I would definitely keep him a part of my exotics, uh, but I, I've got the traffic. You know, obviously, you, I think 
Mr. Bowling and Larry Jones, you talk about training well. He went 58 and 4 the other day. You got to be kidding me. On the other fact, X Factor, you go back to him without a doubt if you're a believer in buyer figures. He's, uh, you know, he's 10 points above anybody in this field. And when he broke his maiden, he broke his maiden by eight lengths over Doolahan, who came back and won the grade one breeders futurity. So, uh, certainly you've got some class there. And Seven Lively Sins, I think, is a horse you've got to kind of scratch your head. Do we just throw out that last race? Uh, in the Delta jackpot because he had always shown speed, and that race looks like he got shuffled back. But, folks, on Saturday, the fairgrounds, the Lecompte, great betting race, and also is going to be a race that uh, could well factor into the series of of three-year-old races down at the fairgrounds that are going to get somebody into the Kentucky Derby. Well, God, we got a lot to talk about here, so we're just going to move forward and there's a can race I, I called the Silver Bullet Day. Now, you've got to go back to 1999 when Silver Bullet Day actually won this race. And I'll be honest with you, Katie, I forget what it used to be called. Uh, but this race has really uh, springboarded so, some outstanding horses like Indian Blessing and Proud Spell, uh, Take Charge Lady, of course, Silver Bullet Day herself, Blushing KD, Uh this race, I, I believe, someday should be graded, and uh, this race could well be a factor in the Kentucky Oaks. It, there's only a half a dozen going to post, but you've got the best trainers on the grounds uh, it, it, sending these horses to post. Good luck in picking a winner in here. I'm guessing, once again, you might lean a little bit towards Larry Jones with Believe You Can. I was thinking applauding. Uh, I'll stall a junior's uh, horse here, but I like Believe You Can. Um, the last time out, you know, this one looks like maybe wanted the shorter distance, wasn't really a fan of going, uh, one mile. It was a, you know, it was a one-turn mile at Churchill, but still, um, may have, has, you know, has turned out to be a really nice sprinter. Um, mostly we've got on our hands, you know, been given a little bit of a break, has been training really well. I'm going to use her in my, in my top three selections. Again, Larry Jones doing so well here. A really good conditioner. He's got a, a barn full of classy horses, and I think they got another good one here. It's a daughter, a proud citizen, so um, she should be able to handle the two turns first time. Rosa Napovnik, the sign, our leading rider, will get the leg up first time. She's probably been getting on this horse in the morning, and I think she's a really big fan of this filly. So believe you can, but the five, of course, four to five, installed as the morning line choice here at a low price, but applauding. Um, this one, just very impressive. Even going short, I know that I had... I kind of knocked X Factor earlier today saying the horse hasn't gone two turns yet, so I may go with Mr. Bowling, Larry Jones, but I think this one, distance should be no issue. A daughter of congrats. Um, I got a chance to see her. She was uh, schooling in the paddock today, and she's just one good-looking, classy filly. Shane Sellers gets the leg up, so I think applauding is also one that I think we have to be fearful here in the Silver Bullet Day. Yeah, and my, my notations with her, and she, she is right there with my pick, is that this is the filly that could steal it. As I look at this, surprisingly, uh, these horses that are just turned three, most of the field in here are kind of a slightly stalking style uh, running pattern, whereas applauding is catch me if you can, and with a 92 and a 90 buyer in her only two lifetime starts, 
they're going to have to catch her. She's got outstanding buyers. Obviously, she was back by the barn both times. I like the fact that horses that she's beaten have come back and won their next start. And I also like Al Stahl's training style. She's put some nice, solid five furlong works. Looks like he's trying to get that, that distance base in, in, in applauding. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not far off from you. I'm, I'm as torn between those two as I am Mr. Bowling and Extractor uh, in the LeCompte. It'll be interesting. It looks like uh, Yvette Santiago and any mini probably be on the bottom part uh, of the try. Um, <laughs> I'm still scratching my head in that there's a Mexican bred hard spun in the race, but <laughs> hey, good horse you know can come from anywhere. Well, listen, we're coming up on, on our, our final race that we're going to handicap. Again, we're, we're handicapping with, uh, with Katie McAuley here from the fairgrounds, and I'm throwing her a little challenge here. I want to go out to California, to Santa Anita, uh, the Palos Verdes. I'd have to say, you know, it's just like Syracuse in basketball. Uh, you've got a bullet on your back when everybody plays you. And Amazombie has got a bullet on his back in this race. Uh, obviously fresh off as Eclipse Award, but I'm telling you what, this is no gimme. Uh, you've got some very solid horses like M1 Rifle, uh, Courtside, and Euro Years uh, that I think are going to give uh, Amazombie a run for his money. Yeah, I, I think you said all three horses that I'm a big fan of. Obviously, Amazombie, I think this horse is going to be super quick from off the pace. Um, you've got horses that it, it sets up well. I think it's going to be a contested pace here. You have um, Frumius, and then Courtside. I think Courtside could be the best of the early speed, so I'm going to use Courtside um, breaking from both position seven and then neural ears. Um, it really, it looks like that one needs to lead, and if he's if he's challenged in any way, I think he's going to give up. So I'm going to use Courtside um, to try to, to take on the task of beating Amazami, or Amazami trying to run down, I should say, Courtside. And then um, you already said M1 Rifle. Um, a big thing with this horse, I do use this horse because I was kind of on the fence with Mensa Heat, only because this is another sharp closer and with a decent amount of pace in this race, even if Steve S. Neeson sends a horse that has early speed, should be laying close. Raphael Beirano is going to pick up the mount. Is Joe Talamo, who won with this horse several times, is jumping ship to ride the one horse. And I think this one's going to be laying pretty close. Um, of course, it seems like best efforts have been over synthetic surface, but I think it's going to be very tough here. So I had to use M1 rifle. So I, I just I agree with you with those three horses. All right. Well, all right. Well, that was a quick. I tell you what, we just put ten pounds in a five pound bag. But uh, <laughs> uh, K- Katie Mickelay, thanks a lot for being on with us. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, the fairgrounds th- this Saturday. You're going to see some sensational racing. You'll get to see uh, Katie and John G. Dooley uh, break down the whole card. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on WinningPonies.com, Katie. Hey, thank you very much, and keep in mind we have a $100,000 guaranteed pick four also on Saturday. Absolutely. Well, don't forget to download those products from winningponies.com. In addition to our professional handicappers' advice, there's a lot here on Winning Ponies that's going to get you to the winner's circle. Well, from high atop the grandstand, overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhart. I want to thank our producer, Matt Widener. Remember, when you come to the races, ladies and gentlemen, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.